Hello. You're about to hear a podcast recorded in Scotland at the start of February 2020. It was only a few short weeks ago, but since then it seems the entire world has been changed by the threat from coronavirus and the need to curb its spread. Chorus rehearsals like the ones you'll hear are no longer taking place, and bigger events, including the Lab's Regional Education Days and the Sweet Adeline's Region 31 Convention, have, like so many of our public gatherings, been cancelled. As I record this, we still haven't had final notice from Babs about the fate of their convention, but it would take a huge leap of the imagination to suggest that that event could still go ahead. I did think of editing out all reference to events that won't now take place so as not to sow any confusion. But to do that would be a disservice to the way that people were thinking at the time. This podcast is a reminder of what we've lost for now, at least. But I hope it'll also serve as a reminder of what we stand to regain once the current crisis has passed. Happy listening. Hello, this is John Beasley and I am so excited because this is the furthest I have ever travelled for a podcast. We're on the streets of Edinburgh for Harmony UK podcast edition number 22, about to meet some barber shoppers who week in, week out, are bringing fantastic four-part harmony singing to the people of Scotland. I'm ready for this, yes, this is no We've never copied anyone, we don't copy interpretations, we try and have everything that comes from us that's original. We're going to Balmoral, we're staying in Balmoral for a whole weekend, obviously not in the castle. The year is 1746, on the west coast of Scotland, Charles Edward Stuart, the young bonny Prince Charlie, is in hiding after the Jacobite army's bloody defeat at Culloden Moor at the hands of the English. This is a new song for Alba Capella, so we have only performed it in public once. Where would you like to perform it? Oh, the Albert Hall. (laughs) (laughs) Ideally. While we were in Nashville, I nipped round to the Barbershop Harmony Society, just to their offices. Harmony Hall? Yes. So, I mean, it's huge. It's at least three floors, and when you go in, they slide down a banister to meet you. We perform a show in the Fringe. Our recruitment, we advertised in October, November, December, so around our Christmas sing-outs did a lot of publicity, and it was about come and sing with us in the Fringe. Yes, lots to come in this special edition from Scotland of Harmony UK podcast, where we begin in a church hall in the Edinburgh suburbs and a rehearsal for Rolling Hills, a men's chorus which over the past few years has all but doubled in size. I started off as a baritone and I asked if I could try tenor for some songs, so at Christmas I learnt the Christmas songs as a tenor. I like the high notes. I don't often choose the easiest path in life in general, so uh, I do like the challenge of learning the the Barry parts. Uh, It's good good fun. Baritones, Brian and Robin. Each of the members of the chorus for less than a year. I have never sung in public before. Well, the last time I tried was at high school, where I had a horrible music teacher who terrified everybody, and I couldn't stand it. So I couldn't... my, My throat just blocked when I tried to sing there because he tried to get people to stand up and sing in front of the class I couldn't do it so he put me off singing for about 30 years 
So actually coming back and trying something like this must have been a, a, a pretty big deal for you. Yeah, it was it was a bit terrifying coming in through the door. Um, but I, I needed something to do in the evenings. My kids are away at university, so I needed something to do in the evenings. I've always wanted to sing. And I came along and lost my nerves pretty quickly and just really got to enjoy it. And everybody was so welcoming and helpful and... I realised that I could actually sing pretty well. It's a really great group of guys, um, really welcoming. So it's it's kind of a pleasure to come along on Tuesday night and catch up with people. And yeah, it's really, it's really good. Founded almost 30 years ago, the Rolling Hills Chorus has been on something of a journey, according to musical director Rosalind Johnson, who joined them in 2016. It's so fulfilling to be able to give other people new information and new skills and help them build on those. When I came to the chorus, I wouldn't hesitate to say that they were more of a let's come along for a sing-song on a Tuesday night kind of chorus, but they quite quickly realised that actually they wanted to be more than that. To be in the same city as Fourth Valley and see how well they've done, they do have aspirations to become as good, well, as good as they can possibly be, basically. And I said that I would help them do that. And so we're on a journey doing that together and it's such a pleasure to teach them and work with them. And we talk a lot about being a team because we are, we work together. I don't feel like it's me and them. It's very much a a one group, one mind, uh, one vision kind of chorus. Engage brain. As well as directing Rolling Hills, Rosalind is herself a singer, arranger and assistant director with the nearby Fourth Valley Chorus. We'll be hearing a great deal more about them later on in the podcast. For now, let's turn to one of the most formidable features of the Rolling Hills Chorus, its rapid expansion. She's like the swallow that flies so high. She's like the river that never runs dry. She's like the sunshine on the seashore. She loves her love, but she loves no more. I'm Ian McLean. I'm the chairman of the chorus, and I sing baritone. It's rapidly growing. We had a we had a very successful recruitment last year, where we got 17 new members, followed up quickly by another four new members. So in the year, we got 21 new members and went from 42 to 63. I can see barbershop choruses across the land turning green with Emmy. How on earth did you do it? I don't know. It was. It was. Look, I think there was. It was good fortune. We have the, we have the good fortune of singing in Edinburgh, so we ha- and we've had a tradition over the past ten years of we compete in the Babs Convention in one year, but in the alternate year we perform a show in the Fringe. Our recruitment we advertised in October, November, December. So around our Christmas sing-outs did a lot of publicity, and it was about come and sing with us in the Fringe.
our fringe show this year, which was created by Rosalind and three guys in the chorus, David McCarroll, John McPhail and David Kyles, and they did a show, and the show we did there was, was Scottish, and it was deliberately Scottish, and what we did was we did a journey of two friends from the islands to Edinburgh, and we basically sang a sequence of Scottish songs, so that was a very Scottish-flavoured, but that was last year, and our fringe show next year will be something different. Don't know what it is yet, we'll have to work on that. Lyrics from the poet Robert Burns, the song My Love is Like a Red Red Rose, performed by Rolling Hills Chorus at their 2019 Edinburgh Fringe Show, distilled in Scotland, 100% harmony. You'll find video recordings of several of the show's songs on the Rolling Hills Chorus website. The original idea for the chorus to perform in the Edinburgh Fringe came from the previous director, Nick Hayes. Ian says that over the years, the show's have endeavoured to bring harmony to a range of topics, including perhaps the most divisive question to face Scots in many generations. Should Scotland be an independent country? In the year of uh, the Scottish referendum, we had a show that uh, was called Twa Rebellions. And it was a historical view of Scotland. So it, taught, it went back to 1745, so the Jacobite Rebellion, and we, and we sang songs from there. And then we sang songs which were mainly parodies around the, the referendum debate. By the time we did the show, the referendum vote had been taken. Uh, but actually, it was a very topical show. It was also very funny, but that was because of Nick's creativity. Were there any difficulties with, with people wondering about you taking one side or the other? It's, it's very delicate whenever you do this sort of political parody because you always uh, lay yourself open to suggestions that you're, you're leaning one way or the other. It wasn't an issue at all, and I think that's the strength of the chorus. When we on a Tuesday night, we don't talk politics, uh, and there might have been a little bit of ribbing when we were rehearsing, but essentially, we don't talk politics, and it wasn't an issue at all. Ian McLean on one aspect of Rolling Hills' involvement in the life of Scotland's capital city, but it wasn't always so. The chorus began life thirty years ago, appropriately enough, amid the Rolling Hill country of the Scottish borders. Bill Harvey found a member and a past chairman of BABS, the British Association of Barbershop Singers, has been with the chorus throughout that time. I just wanted to sing Barbershop. It all started one night, I, was, I used to be a policeman in Gala Shields, and I was walking around Old Gala House, which is a, a kind of community centre in Gala Shields, and I was talking to the janitor of the place, and I heard a sound. I heard some singing, it was women singing, and it was something I'd never heard before and asked the janitor who it was, and he says, oh, it's the ladies' barbershop club. I thought, oh, that sounds fantastic. So the next thing I did was I went home and I got my wife and her sister and two or three neighbours and friends, and a whole lot of them went down. It was a brand-new chorus that had started down in the borders, and they all went down there. I went to the 92 Sweet Adeline Convention down in Birmingham and uh, spoke to one or two guys from Aberdeen who had just started a chorus, and I thought... I really fancy a bit of this. So I went back home and I knew quite a lot of guys who were singers and I got 15, 20 guys together and we used to meet in Gala Shields on a, a, a Sunday evening, of all things. 
And the chorus just took off from there. And Maureen Dawson, who had conducted the ladies' chorus, came in to look after the men. So she was our director for the first few years. Uh, and then Nick Hayes took over after that. A move 35 miles up the A7 to Edinburgh soon followed. It was, says Bill, where half the chorus lived anyway. And when, many years later, ill health caused Nick Hayes to stand down as chorus director, he was able to recruit a successor, Rosalind Johnson. I knew the previous director, Nick Hayes. Uh, his wife sings with me in Forth Valley, uh, and Nick was always a frequent visitor to all of our coaching sessions at Forth Valley, so I knew him. I'd met him at several Babs conventions, and I knew that he was looking to step down. Uh, and he pursued me for a number of months <laughs> and kept bugging me and kept bugging me, and eventually I said to myself, well, why am I not doing it? Uh, and so I came along and... I have to admit that I completely fell in love with the chorus. They're the best bunch of guys uh, and they are the highlight of my week and I'm very glad four years later that I'm still doing it. You said that you enjoyed imparting new information to the chorus. I'm just wondering, is there there anything that the chorus has taught you? Patience. (laughs) Patience is the biggest one. I learn something new from them every week how to interact with people certainly of a different age I'm a lot younger than most of the members in the chorus how to teach people of a different age I think a lot of people admit that it takes you longer to learn things when you're maybe 50 plus and I mean the biggest thing I've learned is that I love to teach and I love to help people learn things and get better and they've got such an energy for that they've got such a need for that that it's easy to do and so that's just enjoyable There's one more thing for which Nick Hayes will forever be remembered by the Rolling Hills Chorus. A song he left them as a legacy, which for many chorus members has become something of an anthem. It was an arrangement by Nick Hayes. He'd always wanted to do a barbershop arrangement, a four-part harmony arrangement of a tune, Highland Cathedral, which is a very popular Scottish tune, although it was composed by two Germans. Club chairman Ian McLean. What he wanted to do was to write a song about Scotland, so he asked the chorus then uh, to give him their thoughts about being Scottish or living in Scotland, what it meant to them. And uh, once he'd got those ideas, he used those to write the lyrics and composed the arrangement to the tune of Highland Cathedral. And it became my homeland. words of the, of the song are very patriotic, I suppose, but not patriotic, they're very, they're very Scottish, they're very Scottish and uh, so sentimental in some ways, but they mean a lot, they're very emotional words. It means a lot to the chorus because the song was written by Nick, who sadly died just over a year ago after a long illness with prostate cancer, and so it's become a song that, it's almost an anthem to us now, it's, it's, it's our Scottish anthem.
We're hoping later this year to film a music video to go along with the song, to use in our social media, our website. And the chorus, I think, have not so secret hopes that it might someday be in contention for a new national anthem. Um, it certainly has the feel and the lyrics to, to really be a positive and uplifting national anthem for the country. Rosalind Johnson on the ambition of Rolling Hills Chorus for their song My Homeland. But what about their other ambitions? They are, after all, neighbours of one of the world's top ten Sweet Adeline choruses in Fourth Valley. Is similar success their ultimate goal? I mean, that would be the dream, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be nice? Uh, if it were, it's a long way off yet, and we're certainly not uh, trying to be Fourth Valley. We are our own chorus with our own identity and our own goals. When you look at Fourth Valley's journey, it's taken us close to 35 years to get there. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It takes a lot of hard work, a lot of input, not just from your director, from your music team, from your board, from your members. It is, as I said before, a real teamwork uh, thing. So wouldn't it be nice someday to uh, win, a, win a medal at Bavs, go off to an international competition, but it's not our goal right now. What is your goal right now? just to keep getting better we we would really like to edge into the top 10 choruses at babs in the next few years maybe put a seven on front of that percentage but we don't set ourselves specific goals like that we just want to try and be better than we were before there is certainly a buzz of excitement around the members of the Rolling Hills Chorus, and who knows what they might achieve if that continues. We'll be back in Edinburgh later in this edition of Harmony UK, the podcast about the exciting world of British barbershop singing. But for now, we're travelling another 120 miles further north along the very scenic East Coast Main Line. This is Aberdeen, where this train terminates. Please mind the gap between the train and the platform as you leave the train. Please ensure that you take your luggage and personal belongings with you when leaving the train. Well, we move beyond Aberdeen City, uh, inland about eight miles, the small town, which says Peter Coulter on the map, but I'm told that people who live here pronounce it Cooter. Anyway, uh, we're here because the Alba Capella Ladies Barbershop Chorus uh, practice in the Heritage Hall. Now, I'm looking for the Heritage Hall. Come down a very dark road and ask somebody for details, and they just said, oh, it's just over there. You've got to go in through the graveyard, uh, which is interesting. So <laughs> I'm here. Let's see... Whether anyone turns up, this is going to be very exciting. Just listen to that silence. There's a flock of geese just up the road. I'm not sure whether you can hear them. Ever so faintly. Oh, thank goodness, there's a light gone on now. Let's uh, go in. Hello? Well, as you probably guessed, I'd turned up early. But as the evening wore on and more singers arrived, I discovered that Alba Capella is a chorus with a very international flavour. As I heard from Mika, the chorus's events coordinator. Yes, there's quite a few nationalities here. There's Dutch, there's German, there's Bulgarian, there's 
Slovakians, Croatia, Croatia. So, so whereabouts are you from then? Now? From Hamburg in uh-huh. Germany. Okay, and and had you had you seen barbershop in Germany? Because there's quite a quite a scene there as well. Yeah, it is quite a scene, but not really. No, I've never never sang barbershop in Germany. No. <laughs> how, how did you get into this chorus then? Oh, pass. I don't know. How did it happen? A friend took me along for an evening of come come and see us. You don't have to join in, but if you want to, you can. And so that's how I got into it. Yeah, and, and then I suddenly started singing. Uh, and Bessie, what about you? When did when did you first encounter barbershop? Oh, that was just about a year ago. It's not been too long, so I'm still learning and it's still new to me. And what is it that attracts you to the chorus week after week? Um, well, the singing, of course, <laughs> the most. Yeah, you can sing in lots of different ways. I mean, you could go out and do karaoke, let's face it. No, I don't like karaoke, actually. <laughs> so what, what, what's better about coming here? Well, it's just um, the energy and um, it's buzzing, it's nice welcoming atmosphere and you're singing with other people together, which is different than singing karaoke because you are exposed on your own on karaoke. (laughs) (laughs) We'll hear more about Vessi's unique contribution to the chorus in a little while. There are plenty of opportunities to sing together at Alba Capella, sometimes in very prestigious surroundings. Most recently, we've sang at a staff party of Baker Hughes, the oil company. They had a huge staff party of 400 people, and we were basically just background music, but it was a lovely sing-out. It was really, really nice experience to sing for so many. The oil industry must play quite a large part in the chorus. Is, is, is this one of the reasons that you have so many nationalities here? Possibly, yes. That's, mm. what, that's how people arrived in Aberdeen initially, yeah. And, and what about... Your own retreat, because I heard the word Balmoral mentioned. Is, is this anything to do with the estate? Yes, it has. Yes, we're Ooh. going We're going to Balmoral. We're, we're staying in Balmoral for a whole weekend. Obviously not in the castle. Um, you mean you've not been invited? No, we can't oh, get, can't get into the castle. They no. don't know what they're missing. <laughs> no. um, yeah, so this is purely because Mike obviously lives and works there. So that's how we've got the opportunity to sing there. And it's a lovely place to be. And we're there for the whole weekend. So. It is super, and we eat there, we cook together, we, we, we eat there and, and, and sing all day long, of course, Saturday and Sunday. Any chance of, of, of running into Her Majesty, even, no. even by accident? I mean, no. she, she's, quite, you know, she, 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 she's quite down at home there, isn't she? She's not, uh, she's not on duty. No, we can only go when she's not there, obviously. You know, we can only go there in, in winter. She's only there in summer for a few months, yeah. Yeah, because the other thing, of course, is you could send an invitation to one of your Love to Sing courses. Yes, of course, she could come along, yes, and bring the whole family. And if there is any family that comes to mind as being in need of a little more harmony right now, it would probably be the Royals. Love to Sing courses have been an important means of recruitment for Alba Capella since the chorus was founded in 2012. Mike Warner has been the musical director since the very start. It was founded actually by uh, Fabian, my wife, and myself. We'd moved up to Aberdeen and we, we actually moved to this area knowing that there were already a men's chorus and a ladies' chorus in the area. But the ladies' chorus locally was the Sweet Adeline's Chorus, which are fantastic chorus, but their style is different from Lab's and Bab's style of singing. So uh, we were asked if we could help uh, and set up a, a labs chorus instead and so uh, that was the mission basically to start singing uh, and, uh, and enjoying music probably slightly more out of the city of, of Aberdeen as well. So are there, are there other ways in which you differ? You mentioned that, that, that of course the style of singing is a little bit different here. We basically, um, it, 
I guess the initial request came from actually some of the first founding members of the chorus. They were showing an interest. Some of them had tried the Sweet Adeline's chorus, didn't feel that it was quite the right vibe for them and wanted to try something a little bit different. So we felt that there was a need to try and do something like that. Tell us about now then, because I was, I was down at um, Rolling Hills Chorus, who are the biggest they have ever been, but they're, they're not the only ones in that situation. No, we were, we were very fortunate about this time last year. We had a Love to Sing course, and um, I don't know whether it was because we were trying to tap into social media and things like that, but from a chorus that was typically about 16 to 18 members, for the four nights that we held the Love to Sing course, we had over 30 additional attendees each night. So it was almost a, wow, how did this happen? And of those, nearly half of them took the audition song and passed it. Uh, sadly, over time, some of them have felt that they couldn't commit full-time to the chorus, but uh, a lot of members stayed with us as a result of that. And, uh, yeah, we were just blown away by, by the success of it, really. But I would walk 500 miles And I would walk 500 more Just to be the one who walked a thousand miles To fall down at your... We decided to in order to have a difference for our chorus that we would like to have effectively a package of songs for our regular sing-outs that very much had a Scottish flavour to them or if not Scottish, quite a Celtic flavour to them. Of those songs we've got the classics of Red Red Rose and Loch Lomond. We've just recently been introducing the wonderful Paul Davis's arrangement of the Sky Boat song. But we've equally got some modern Scottish songs Annie Lennox who herself came from D-side of the Eurythmics, we sing her Sweet Dreams, and we've also been learning Katie Tunstall, also Scottish, Suddenly I See and The Proclaimers 500 Miles so we're trying to amass this little Scottish set of songs to appeal to all of the local audiences. very rich heritage to draw on as well haven't you absolutely there's some fantastic songs up here and obviously you can tell from my accent that i'm not a native scot but uh, i've always had a love of scotland and, and of scottish music it's it's very very passionate the year 1746 on the west coast of scotland charles edward stewart the young bonnie prince charlie is in hiding after the Jacobite army's bloody defeat at Culloden Moor at the hands of the English. But Flora MacDonald, daughter of a government chief, has agreed to help the handsome young prince and smuggles him across the raging seas to the safety of the Isle of Skye. Their tiny boat is carried across the waves by the hopes of the Scottish nation.
The Sky Boat Song, one of the most recent additions to the Alba Capella repertoire, complete with that compelling narrative delivered by Lorna, one of the basses. So how does it feel, I wondered, to perform the song and that arresting introduction on stage? It feels quite dramatic. It's, uh, I'm a west coast of Scotland person, one of the few west coasters in the chorus, and that's why I think I've been charged with delivering that. So it's quite atmospheric, especially with your chorus friends around you humming. It really sort of drives it forward for me. I feel quite quite intense. There, there was a lot of emotion came through in the song itself as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a very emotional song, and especially for us Scots, it's uh, something that we've all grown up with. You know, it's been something that we learned in school, a different version. So it's very it's very close to most Scots hearts. When you perform it, then, I mean, tell me where where you, where have you performed it, and what's been the reaction from the audience? Well, this is a new song for Alba Capella, so we have only performed it in public once, and it was quite a noisy gathering, so we didn't do the little narrative part. We decided to save that for a slightly quieter situation. Where would you like to perform it? Oh, the Albert Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally. <laughs> um, well, also, uh, hopefully it'll be a stock part. We perform Loch Lomond a lot. We perform Red Rose, which you heard earlier. And hopefully this will be one of our sort of mainstay songs that we perform to audiences. And it's quite nice, given we're here in Aberdeen, to celebrate our Scottishness with a few well-chosen songs. The chorus doesn't only set out to reflect Scotland's musical heritage. A new addition to their stage costume gives more than a nod to Alba Capella's roots. Lyndon Tapper has been with the chorus for the past five years. We have a dressmaker, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, she actually was helping us um, shorten dresses, and she's a dressmaker, and she enjoyed the chorus so much that she's joined the chorus. And Vessie has recently made us some beautiful tartan um, scarves which we can wear as sashes and uh, we did our first thing out at, with them at Burns Supper um, this year and, we look, and they just look fantastic really and complemented the dresses beautifully she's got a fantastic eye Sounds tremendous, are, are, are there pictures on your website if anybody wants to see them? I imagine there, there will be now <laughs> I'm sure we'll put some on uh, yes I'm sure Mike will update the website with some of them because they're, they're, they're just great they're, just, they're super and we can wear them in all sorts of different ways she's got different ways of showing us how we can wear them so it's a really good resource for the chorus is this, is this something you're going to take to labs because I should imagine that one of the things that, that, that's important is, is standing out as a chorus isn't it I'm not sure whether they will be allowed at labs, whether it's seen as nationalistic. I hope not, because, you know, we are a Scottish chorus. So, believe it or not, with this accent. Um, but it would be nice to wear them, because, it, you know, we are proud to be Scottish, and I've lived here for many, many years, and don't wish to live anywhere else. I love living in Scotland, and it's, it's a pride to me to live here. So I would be very happy to wear them, if we're allowed to. Well, having heard that, I asked Labs if they could offer some clarification. Nancy Philbin, who chairs the organisation, sent me a statement on behalf of the board, which reads... Labs is a British association, and we are proud to have member choruses from England, Scotland and Wales, all of whom are free to choose how they portray and identify themselves, both on and off the stage. We do, however, have a rule that a song performed in contest should not be primarily patriotic or religious in intent, and this may have been the cause of the misunderstanding.
which means that, if they wish, Alba Capella will be able to wear their new tartan sashes on stage at convention at the end of October. The Lab's convention this year is once again on the south coast in Bournemouth. As Susie, another chorus member, told me, from Aberdeenshire, it's a very long way to travel. A few years ago we were going to, we were singing in the chorus convention in Bournemouth and we all flew to Gatwick from Aberdeen and then arranged for a bus to take us down to Bournemouth, which was fine, but coming back we got the bus from Bournemouth to Gatwick Airport and then the flight after several hours was cancelled. By the time it was cancelled at night it was so late that there wasn't any point trying to go to a hotel, so we just crashed out on the floor at the airport and then managed to get a train first thing in the morning back to Aberdeen. So that was a bit of an adventure. You must have been shattered. Yes, we were, because we didn't sleep all night. (laughs) (laughs) Suffering for your art. Absolutely. This year, some good news. For the first time, Labs is to host one of its recently introduced regional education days in Scotland. It'll be on April the 25th at Larbert near Stirling. Alba Capella's MD Mike Warner and singer Lyndon Tapper both see it as a welcome development. Labs have got a, a number of regional education days and uh, the last time they held these we were a little disappointed that the northern edition uh, actually I think took place in Warrington so it wasn't exactly on our doorstep so uh, we petitioned at Labs Council to have an education day for Scotland and uh, they have granted us such which um, we are going to be taking part in together with Tartan Harmony from Helensborough and One Accord from down in the Scottish borders below Edinburgh. So, Linda, what does the day involve? What is it? We're singing the Labs Polcat song, Make Your Own Kind of Music. Um, it's Polcat from 2019, so all the choruses will know it. But it gives us the opportunity to come together with the other choruses. We did this off our own bat a couple of years ago and had a great day. So we can break out um, into all the different sections and just get to know the other choruses and, and learn to sing with other people in a, in a lovely augmented chorus. As far as I can tell, Scotland hasn't yet hosted a UK-wide barbershop convention. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Though in 2001, the European convention was hosted by Babs in Glasgow. The seven male Scottish choruses at one time had their own event called Harmony Junction. And over the past couple of years, they've begun once again to revive the tradition of meeting up each year. In September, at an event called Macapella, with a chance to sing together, socialise and partake of some top quality musical education from visiting coaches. Several of the choruses, the Fine Siders from Argyle and Close Shave from Glasgow, for example, are not members of Babs. Uh, We'll be visiting another of the unaffiliated Scottish choruses shortly. But before that, while here in Aberdeenshire, I ran into Mike Cowmans from the Granite City Chorus, which is a Babs member and competes regularly at conventions. 
he told me a little more. Dreams of wishes your heart makes, dreams of happiness can ensue. If your heart is grieving, just keep believing that the dreams... The Granite City Chorus has been going for exactly 30 years. We've got about um, 40 members and 35 of those are active. We've just run a Love to Sing course and hopefully we'll pick up a few new guys um, through that. This last year we've had a new director. Peter Williams has taken over from Colin Reed. Colin has done a stalwart job, has done, done it for, for 13 years, has given a lot to the chorus, uh, but he wanted to take a break, so Peter took over the reins in, uh, in October. Back up your troubles and play, what a great time you are gonna have, all the stars will be bright. We're just past the Christmas period and we do a lot of our sing-outs at Christmas, but we also do other events, including um, singing at old people's homes. But Christmas has been a very um, lucrative time for us, definitely. We had probably about 10 or 12 sing-outs over the Christmas period. The ones that stand out for me are singing in uh, St. Maher Cathedral, which is a, a beautiful old cathedral, 10 or 11 centuries old, I believe. And the acoustics are absolutely wonderful there and it's a very large church to sing in and it's a joy to, to sing there and to sing to, to the audience. The other sort of perennial sing-up we have at Christmas is singing at the Winter Gardens of Duthie Park. We're actually a warm-up act for a brass band that play there every year. They are an excellent brass band. They're one of the top brass bands in the UK. And we sing to the people that are coming to, really coming to hear the brass band, and we sing to them as well. Aberdeenshire is rich in barbershop choruses. We've just been hearing about two of them, and I'm off now to meet a third. They would normally uh, be gathering in the city, uh, but their normal venue has been taken over by the staff there who are holding their Christmas party. I know, in February. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're off to Dice, which is halfway between the city and the airport. Guys, we have a potential gig for an afternoon. An afternoon chorus. Uh, it is West Hill Senior Citizens, March the 12th, a Thursday afternoon. You see, we're relaxed. We don't stand in risers. And it makes it a wee bit easier. Because I think the risers, I'm 74. 
So my legs are I've got artificial knees. So so this floor is much more comfortable than a yes, rider. Yes, I'm looking yes. forward to that. Okay, very good. <laughs> That's Abby England, one of eighteen mostly more mature gentlemen who were at this rehearsal of the Silver City Singers. The night I was there, they were without a tenor, so I'm delighted to have had a chance to step in and sing with them at least one song in a polecat where I knew the part, all at the invitation of this man. Hello, yes, I'm Duncan McKenzie. I'm the director of Silver City Singers. Uh, we've been going now for almost eight years, and oh, it's been a great journey. It's wonderful. Duncan is one of a small group of singers who broke away from other barbershop choruses eight years ago and founded the Silver City Singers, essentially, he says, so that they could enjoy more musical freedom to do their own thing. Essentially, we're a barbershop chorus with extras and uh, a variety group, if you, if you like, using barbershop as um, a vehicle, because it's wonderful, you know that. Um, what I find is that through going to conventions and Carney College and all this stuff, barbershop is loved deeply by barbershoppers. And the main audience is barbershoppers. And that's wonderful. But the public themselves, in my experience, I may be wrong, but what I've found is that they like a bit of variety. And that's our job. A typical programme would be three barbershop songs and then perhaps a folk singer would come out with a guitar and perhaps do a sing-along. Then would maybe do another three songs and usually songs that people know, um, popular songs. to have, he's, he's actually moved away now from the area, a storyteller, so he would come out and enthrall the audience with one of his tales, uh, usually humorous. They would sing another two or three barbershop songs, and we have an in-house band, so there are about, what, four guitarists, there's one fellow also plays the cajon, you know, the we sit on drum thing, mm-hmm. um, there's a ukulele couple, there's a bazooki. Silver City Singers is the first chorus I visited in four years of Harmony UK podcast who've decided that they don't want to affiliate to any of the UK barbershop organisations. So why not? Duncan McKenzie. That's a good question. And essentially it's a lot of work, time 
effort to lose. That sounds harsh. But because the British barbershop scene competition-wise has been going, oh, I don't know, since 74, I guess, the choruses that have come through that before us have learned so much and passed on so much. Plus, being closer together, they tend to sing a lot more and find coaches and so on, which means they've got an advantage in the competition. Now, having said that, competition is great for focusing and so on and so forth. But our ethos is more fun with barbershop rather than competing. We do enter local competitions here, the singing festivals and so on. So there's a bit of competition involved. But a lot of the existing members who have competed in barbershop competitions in the past don't want to go through that again. So it's not the mixing with other barbershoppers, it's the competition aspect of it. But organised barbershop singing still does hold its attractions, even here. During the course of the rehearsal, I got talking to Ali, one of the singers who'd brought a friend named Richard to chorus for the first time. And he told me this fascinating story of a visit they both made to the headquarters of perhaps the most famous barbershop organisation of them all. I first introduced Richard to barbershop singing in Nashville when we went on holiday together. We had three nights in Nashville, seven nights in Memphis. But while we were in Nashville, I nipped round to the Barbershop Harmony Society, just to their offices. Oh, right. Which is... Of course, they're they're headquartered in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Harmony Hall. Yes. So, I mean, it's huge. It's at least three floors. And when you go in, they slide down a banister to meet you. Really? Uh, Yeah, and that's the wall of all the winners. There's a photograph of all the winners throughout the years. When, you, when you say this, slide, who slides down the bar? You're talking about uh, Marty Monson or something? Uh, the, the, no, the guy the, who runs the, it. The guy who slid down that night, his name is Kyle Snook. And I remember it because that's an unusual name. <laughs> it is. Yes. Well, as I say, there was me and, me and Richard, so we went in, we got the full tour, and while we were walking around, Kyle would ask me... Uh, what position in the in a quartet I would sing. So I said I sing lead. And he asked how long I'd been doing it, and it had only been one year at the time. So he says, OK, so we need a, a bass, a tenor, and a baritone. So he went, you, you, and you. And, I mean, two of these guys were international singers. It was myself, Donnie Rose, uh, Wayne Grimmer. Wayne Grimmer and Kyle Snook. So that was the three. And what did you sing? We sang Wild Irish Rose, and then we did um, Nevertheless. They, they asked me uh, what other songs that would, would sung, so he just went off and printed all the words, and obviously they could read the music. Could you a hell believe? Of a lot better than yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Could you believe what was happening at the time? No, it was absolutely unbelievable. And of course, being on holiday, I was hungover. <laughs> you know, but uh, still, I loved every single minute going around there. I mean, them guys made you feel so at home. They just took time out of their busy schedule 
to make just time for you, you know, to, to sing, to just show you everything and that was brilliant, it really and, was. And you may have found a new hangover cure as well, singing with a group of international quartetters yeah, at Harmony it, Hall. It did uh, kind of sober <laughs> me up quickly. <laughs> for the record, of the three fellas who provided Ali with his musical hangover cure at Harmony Hall that day, Wayne Grimmer is best known as the lead of the award-winning Round Midnight Quartet. He also arranges many of their songs. Uh, Donny Rose is the director of Harmony University. And Kyle Snook, baritone with the quartet MC4, is now regional director of the Harmony Foundation International. So, as a bystander that day, what did Richard make of it all? Well, it was interesting. It was actually quite impressive to, to hear them singing just off the cuff. Um, because obviously, uh, you know, when you expect to have... I suppose I expected maybe some mild embarrassment between them all because, you know, four guys standing up in, in the middle of what if is effectively an office and starting singing. It's a bit strange. <laughs> but... Uh, no, clearly they were very comfortable with it and having so much fun. And you could see how much fun Ali was having with them all and they were all having. Uh, so it was probably piqued my interest at that point. So when you got back to Scotland, did, did Ali have to do much persuading to get you to come and well, try bit, this out here? A little bit because it's taken some time. But, uh, <laughs> Two years ago. Yeah. yeah, but I've been busy with other things with, uh, with kind of more drama uh, things that I'm doing and, and doing pantos. I've been doing pantos for the last couple of years as well. But uh, once the panto panto was finished this year, I thought, right, now's my opportunity to have a go. All together now. Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, yes, he did. And let's hope that Richard goes on to have many more enjoyable evenings with the Silver City Singers. Well, I couldn't leave Aberdeen without mentioning the biggest and most successful of all the barbershop choruses here. Uh, they're called Aberdeen Chorus, uh, 80 women, members of Sweet Adelines and six times, no less, champions of Region 31. In fact, their score was so good last time that they have qualified to go to the Sweet Adeline International Convention in Louisville in October 2020. I was absolutely gutted that I wasn't able to uh, make it along to one of their rehearsals. Uh, I'd love to have seen them and, uh, of course, wish them all the very best in Louisville. In fact, Scotland is something of a beacon of excellence for Sweet Adeline's choruses, as we're about to find out on our next stop as we head south once again across the magnificent bridges of the River Tay and the River Forth and back down to the Scottish capital. Ladies and gentlemen, we're now approaching Edinburgh Waverley where this service will terminate. We don't pass first up after all the jam person along as we're leaving the train. As you retain your tickets for the automatic barriers. It's Edinburgh Waverley, this and final stop. Now, here's a bit of trivia which might come in handy next time you're at a pub quiz. It turns out that Edinburgh Waverley is the only railway station in Britain to be named after a novel. The epic, eponymous, historical tale Waverley was penned by Sir Walter Scott. There's a memorial to him just along Princess Street from the station. We'll pass it on our way to our next destination. We're in the solid square, high-ceilinged assembly hall of Scotland's second oldest Baptist church. 
The Bistro Baptist Church, as it's known, is host each Thursday evening to Fourth Valley Chorus, one of the largest and certainly the most internationally successful barbershop chorus in the UK. They've just begun to rehearse, and even here in the warm-up, you can't help noticing how intensively they're working and paying close attention to every single detail. So when you do the quiet one, can you add, it's really nice adding that clarity and projection, but when you go quiet, there's just yes. a little bit of pitch loss and creep in. So can you accommodate the soft by just going with the pitch as well, add that to the intensity and clarity and see what happens. <coughs> Fourth Valley has 107 members. Last year at Sweet Adeline's International Convention in New Orleans, they were placed 10th in the world. Singing at this level takes a great deal of dedication and commitment, not only at rehearsals, but throughout the week. The chorus recently established a mind team to help singers with mental preparation and focus. Maureen Bruce leads that team. She told me how she became interested in what psychology had to offer groups of singers while she was singing as part of the quartet, Mac 4. It's something we've kind of grown into. So over the years we've been observing that when we have coaches who take a little bit of time helping us to um, get our concentration right or to focus on some mental aspect of performance, for example, thinking about our intention in performance or our intention for the audience, that um, we began to notice improvements in our singing performance. And so I, I got curious about this and we began to explore um, f- things from sports psychology. You know, think, we read books like With Winning in Mind by Lani Bassam. I, I was exploring things like the inner game. So inner game of music. There were inner games of golf, I think. And that was, that was the, the foundation of that. Um, we, um, one of us went to seminar by an Olympic dressage champion and just heard about their mental preparation. So we weren't sure whether that was only appropriate for horse ballet or quartet singing. But So there's, there's, there's an emerging kind of thinking around mindset. And I was interested in noticing that schools are starting to use winning mindset as a basis for how we teach children and how we get the best out of kids. So I feel there's something in this. So what, what areas then are there, what aspects of this that you can apply to a quartet or to a chorus uh, to improve your, your singing ability and improve your chances in competition, which I, I guess is the object of the exercise? Yes. So we, in the team we adopt a range of approaches. So in, at the heart of it all is um, grounding and centering. So taking time to just calm down, be aware of where you are in time and space, be very present to the moment that you're in, get your breathing under control and just be together. So you're there as an individual, calming yourself down, becoming focused and concentrating in the company of others, you know, your sisters in the chorus. That's at the heart of this preparation that we do. And then we expand that out into... um, using your imagination to think creatively um, and and draw from joyful experiences to bring joy into your performance or thinking creatively how, how you embody different emotions in the sound so how you reach into your memories or into your imagination to bring those things into your performance and then we have a range of activities that are really about 
having fun and motivating the chorus so that will extend to we might put um, posters up in our rehearsal space to remind us about being an A-level chorus we might look for a hashtag saying so we sang a song last year that had the words you know I'm I'm, I'm all in, so we had hashtag all in because it's a group effort. So we have a whole set of motivational stuff. We have someone at home who routinely log in and email everyone or, or go on our Fourth Valley Chorus Facebook and just remind us all of some focus point for the week. Someone else will send in a positive motivational quote, you know. So we're using all aspects of your sensory appreciation what you see, what you listen to, how you feel, how you think, to add whatever we can to our performance. Nothing is a substitute for good singing technique, knowing the notes and words, following your director, knowing the plan. But this is about adding something additional to your performance. I should imagine one of the difficulties is in objectively measuring the impact that it's having, or or do you have a way around that? There are very simple impacts. And yes, you're right. You know, for every, there are many, many things written down about this. And for every good piece of well evidenced approach, there's a pile of pseudo psychology, you know, um, and you have to be really careful about that. But just for us, we just noticed that when we took time, a few minutes to engage, refocus, centre ourselves, we sounded better the next time we opened our mouths to sing. We sounded unified, we sounded stronger. Maureen Bruce, part of the Fourth Valley Mind Team. And the chorus ethos is reinforced in other ways too. For example, how many other barbershop choruses do you know with their own regular video blog? Hi FVC, welcome to my rehearsal roundup. Uh, I'm coming to you in conjunction with the music team to uh, do a recap of our last rehearsal and give a few pointers for uh, next week. Um, The idea is to do this over the next few weeks because we've got a couple of coaches coming, we've got lots of things to prepare for. Um, So just to give a couple of little reminders and if you watch to the end I might give you a little bit of homework, nothing too taxing. I'm Kate Porter and I am the in the music team of Fourth Valley Chorus. I'm the lead section leader. Um, I'm also on the warm-ups team, but I am a self-appointed uh, vlogger, so I do video blogs um, to do a rehearsal roundup um, at the end of the week. So when the rehearsal is finished this evening, your job is not. Tell us what you're going to do. Ah, well, might not necessarily be tonight. It's only February, but in the next few months after we've had coaching and in the run-up to Cardiff, definitely um, for competition, I will be doing recaps. So I will go through what we've done in each rehearsal and hopefully some little bits of technique and vocal um, production things to remember, parts in the song that we need to enhance for the week coming so that we remember the things that we've done and hopefully improve on them the next time. And presumably, in order to get people to watch and keep them watching you've got to be a little bit entertaining as well yes I do try and keep it fun <laughs> and be quite funny and I also try and set homework so that they have to watch and hopefully they'll they'll have um, done the task by the next week um, I also have special guests so for example after we'd been to IES um, I tried to get a few people to, to do some chat so I had Sandy Marin sending us a little message um, and I tried to get coaches to, to 
send their sort of words of wisdom if they've been. So I try to yeah keep it interesting. It's not always just me. Um, I try and have other people that give a bit of input. You say that you're self-appointed. I mean, how long have you been doing this? And, and what happened when you first approached um, the, 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 the chorus? Was it the, the chorus management team, the music team, the executive? Was it? Uh, it was the music team. So I'm on the music team anyway, and we were trying to think of ways to kind of keep momentum going, keep practice happening. Um, and I did point out that it's all very well singing things over at you know, the end of the week and throughout the, the week and in your car and in the shower and all that stuff. Um, but sometimes people need a few pointers as to what exactly to do. So say I can give them an exercise or I can give them a remember we worked on this and why don't you try this for this week and all that kind of thing. So it's more kind of specific pointers rather than just describing uh, the rehearsal or the, the song. And how do you know whether people have actually been watching? Uh, well, I post them on YouTube and I post the links to our, we have an internal kind of Facebook page, our own group, and I can check if, if there's been many views. But a lot of people do contact me and say thanks and um, give me suggestions and things, which is really helpful as well. A rehearsal rep run from Fourth Valley Chorus of Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein's beautiful song, All the Things You Are. So, say you live within commuting distance of Edinburgh and you're a woman looking to join a choir. Wouldn't a chorus as large, as rigorous and as ambitious as Fourth Valley appear just a little daunting? While at the rehearsal, I was introduced to Shan and Kara, two sisters who joined only last year after finding Fourth Valley Chorus on Google. I asked them both about their experiences as new chorus members. We'll hear from Kara first. For me, it, it, possibly the just the sense of uh, unity and the bond with everybody right from the first day. I mean, from the very first rehearsal when I came along, people were smiling, people were talking to me, introducing themselves, making me feel like part of the team before I'd even auditioned. And and I just was pretty bowled over by that. I thought that said so much for the spirit of the chorus. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that, particularly as it is a large chorus. I mean, with over 100 members, I still have to confess that I occasionally look at someone and think, I don't know your name, <laughs> even a year on. Um, but it is fantastic how, despite maybe not knowing each other's names all the time, everybody is so friendly and it's great. There's a huge range of experience, a huge age range as well within the chorus, but everybody has the same attitude towards it. Everybody is working so hard to maintain this kind of position they've worked so so long and hard for some of these members have been in it for maybe 30 years 40 years since it founded and we're the kind of lucky ones that have come in at the crest of the wave and 
almost feel slightly fraudulent because we're managing to be part of the success that um, we're just so blessed that we joined when we did, really. Talking of success, did you did you each go to the uh, the States? Yes, we did, yeah. Um, following on from what Shan was saying there about members having been in the, the chorus for 20, 30-odd years, I had a really sort of pinnacle moment in the dressing room just before we went on stage for the semi-finals because we were warming up and I looked around the room and realised, you know, the weight of what that moment meant to the long-term members of the chorus. And it just struck me in that moment and really made me feel a sense of responsibility to give my absolute all in that performance for them, for their sake, because this was something that they'd been working and striving for for so long um, that it really boosted me and gave me such a kind of energy to I felt like I just danced on stage almost because I was so ready to just go and give everything I had to to give to that performance. All for one and one for all. Exactly, yeah. And but you you're facing an audience. I mean, how how big is the audience at, at the international convention at Sweet Adelines? Oh no, that's a good question. Thousands, uh, thousands yeah. Thousands. And considering that the only other time we'd performed with the chorus was in a small church out in Dunfermline, we did one sing out and. That was our previous experience of performing with the chorus, was to maybe about 100 people, our children who had come along and had fallen asleep during the performance. <laughs> um, so suddenly to find yourself on this massive stage where I think a few weeks before Queen had performed, it was it was just a bit bizarre, but it was incredible. And we were so lucky because whenever we stood on stage, we had a good maybe three minutes, it felt like a lifetime, where we were stood waiting for the lights to go on because the judges hadn't finished writing up the previous chorus. And there was this kind of silence and we were all nervous. And then all of a sudden there was just cheering from the supporters that had come across to New Orleans. Um, And I think there were members of the other choruses that had competed in the quartets, the kind of Region 31, um, really put on such a show of support. They were waving flags and cheering and those few minutes just kind of got us all buzzing, ready to go. And then finally the lights came on and it was just, it was phenomenal. I think the semi-final, I don't think I can, I don't know whether I can ever top that experience. It was, it was unbelievable, yeah. Quartet of Nations, Region 31 from Edinburgh, Scotland, United Kingdom, under the direction of David Sangster, Fourth Valley. Just listen to that cheer. Well, conventions come and go, and the adulation subsides. But the work rate never seems to slacken much at Fourth Valley. Everyone should be in this position, and then your hand goes around your head. Hold, clip. Good. Ready? Let's go from this position. Five, six, seven, and push, and down, and slide, and pull, and push, and round, and hold, and snap. Well done. Again. Five, six, seven, and one, and two, and three. Here, the chorus is being put through a pretty intense choreography session. It lasted almost an hour, and I suggested to musical director David Sangster that it looked more like the sort of thing that you'd find at a rehearsal for a West End musical than a barbershop performance. I'm really glad that you thought it looked like a West End dance routine um, because we've actually been trying to move the style of the choreography a little bit away from the traditional 
for want of a better word, barbershop type choreography um, into a more theatrically inspired look. So some of it is careful, moves driven, very precise, and some of it is, is to be more open, more free. And the idea being that it's easier to sing through that, it's easier to invest character in it um, and not have it as just something that's superimposed and looks artificial. So uh, I'm really glad that you uh, felt it was a bit like a West End production. That is the end goal that we have for that choreography. Is that reflective in any way of your overall philosophy for this chorus? Well, it is in that we're constantly trying to try something new. So what we feel that we always want to do is say, what what can we change that will take us to the next level? And there is a strong drive at the moment in Sweet Adeline's organisation and in performance generally, a cappella performance generally, to have this sense of authenticity of um, a genuine performance from all the people coming through. And we feel that in order to allow that to flower, you need to change the style of the choreography to make that possible. So that is part of the philosophy that we have, which is just always trying to take the chorus forward, always trying to do something a little bit new, a little bit different. How difficult is that? Is it, is it something that you that keeps you awake at night thinking, what can I innovate next? Uh, yes, it does keep me awake at night sometimes. <laughs> I've actually taken to having um, a notepad in my phone for different things. So I've got um, a, you know, finals package and if I have a, an amazing idea that might be amazing for a finals package, I will write it, I'll put it into my phone there and then in case I forget about it and then that lets me go to sleep. Presumably, though, <laughs> while, you're, while, you're, while you're lying awake, there are other people doing things too. I mean, you've got a chorus of 107 out there, so, so, so it, there must be a great deal of teamwork involved, I would have thought. Uh, absolutely, and this is another thing that at the moment we're trying to drive forward so that it isn't just me or someone else uh, unilaterally superimposing everything onto the chorus. So for every aspect of what we're doing, whether it's conceiving a package of songs that goes together. We bring in a team, we have a team to deal with the sort of psychological aspects, which we call the mind team, uh, and they're uh, motivational, and they think of things from that angle. We have another team uh, that is has been involved in creating ideas for final future finals packages, because we hope we'll get to an international final again. Um, we have a choreography team, which uh, we have one or a few people in the chorus that come in and out of that that we use Um, and of course we have the traditional music team and we've been trying to do a more inclusive approach they're not just me suggesting songs but everyone suggests songs and we make decisions as a team and we feel that we're we're, at the moment we've got a, a mantra that we're trying to grow from the inside out which means each member brings more of themselves uh, more responsibility more commitment into what they do and that comes that means it's not so top down in terms of the, the leadership interesting to hear that you take suggestions for songs from the chorus because of course well not so much from the chorus or uh, usually from within the music team from the music team yeah. i understand however yeah. as linda was about to tell you uh, we just recently after our last international we did a complete open feedback uh, invitation uh, to the chorus for anyone who had ideas for songs for a future finals package ideas for what the package might be for themes for 
everything. And we took a complete survey. Anyone who wanted to throw something into the pot could. Then I and one of the other assistant directors, Rosalind, um, went through all of that, took some common themes, and in actual fact, our future plans have incorporated quite a number of those ideas. Um, And it was a good way of just taking the chorus pulse on what do we want to do, what do we see ourselves as, and, and things like that. Well, the Linda mentioned there by David Sangster was Linda McCurrick, assistant director and currently team leader of the chorus. So how did the members take to being asked for their ideas? Oh, they're absolutely thrilled. They want, they want to be involved. We're a very committed chorus. We speak about chorus. We talk about chorus. We meet up. We're always uh, uh, in the chorus frame of mind. Uh, and I think the, the overall approach of being more inclusive uh, completely has uh, inspired everybody. We've done this with music. We're about to do that with ideas for a costume for the finals package to the costume team, which is another team we are involved with. And they're uh, closely involved with David and Norma as a choreographer, looking at the visuals with the music team to see where the music's going and get a costume that's suitable. And there are only two on the team at the moment. And what what we've agreed is they'll go out to the chorus and there's 107, as we've said, women out there with ideas that are dying to be heard. They want to be heard. And they're they're enthusiastic whether they have the right idea or it doesn't matter. We're going to look at everything. It must be difficult in some ways, though, to include everybody. I mean, for example, when you go out for a Christmas meal, you know, where on earth do you go with 170 people? <laughs> well, we find we have to get... We take over a whole place completely. Uh, so that we have a team that look... We've got a, a sort of party team that do that kind of thing. But obviously with 107 people, people do break out into their smaller groups where it's all the bases or the section leaders or some of the teams and other groups that have formed through the years, the front row team... Um, and that's adapted over the years. So, yeah, we have one or two big shindigs, but I suppose the only time that we're ever all together would be perhaps at competition, when we go to regional competition or we go to, we've been fortunate to go to international competition and we're all there all together at the same time. But that in itself, going to international competition with all these people must, must be something of a logistical nightmare. A big nightmare, yes. Uh, we book our own flights. Um, we give people a time limit to work within whether, when the, the absolute day they have to be there so that we've got time to acclimatise and then we start rehearsals the following day. So normally we would say, you have to arrive on the Monday, we rehearse on this Tuesday and of course we want to be there for the finals on the Saturday, you can leave from the Sunday. So we're looking at a minimum of uh, the chorus arriving for six nights in America. They book their own flights, but everybody's in the same hotel. We book meals, usually within the hotel, the logistics of going out to uh, anywhere else is quite, are quite difficult. The other thing we try to do is fundraise, of course. It's very expensive, and because we've been successful recently and we've been on a two- to three-year cycle of going to international, that people have to dig really deep for that. So we fundraise. Uh, currently, our target is £40,000 to raise that before we go to international. And if we raise £40,000, we can pay for hotel rooms if four people share. So if, you take, if four people prepare to share an American room, which is two uh, queen-size beds, then they won't have to pay anything for the accommodation and they'll have to find their food and flight on top of that. If they want to break down to smaller sets, then they understand there's a cost involved. Um, but uh, our target, yeah, 40000 We've been fortunate. We've made that in the last three occasions that we've needed to. 
That, that, that is absolutely fantastic. That's a tremendous fundraising effort. I do wonder, though, how many times you can keep going back and, and doing this. I know other choruses in other organisations, thinking about the Great Western Chorus of Bristol, for example, who represented Babs uh, three times at internationals. On the fourth time, they really couldn't get enough people out there because people had come to the, the end of what they could afford and also the end of what their, some of their families would tolerate. Ah, well, I understand that. We have an ambition. We, we, we set ourselves goals. We have a two- to five-year sort of plan of where we're going. Our first goal was to get to international, which we did. Our second goal was to get a top 20 place. We did that. Then a top 10 place. We did that very successfully. Now our ambition is to uh, get into the top five and work away. So although in other choruses, and I can understand that, there is some fatigue because we've got this drive forward. We're, we try, we're bringing people with us with involvement through teamwork, with involvement through the chorus, with this dynamic driving forward like the choreography you saw tonight learning that in two to three occasions and then bringing it all together keeps the motivation going, the, the fundraising. We haven't hit the wall yet, I have to say, and we've got our eyes on the big prize. And David, it, is, is it, does it become incrementally more difficult as you, as you reach these goals and go for the next one? I mean, is getting from top 10 to top 5 going to be more difficult than getting, say, from top 20 uh, to top let's, 10? Let's hope we find out soon. <laughs> I think that is a big journey. I think that's a big journey. At the moment where we are is we've managed to get ourselves into the group of choruses that go for what we call the grab spots where um, you shouldn't really say this but there are certain choruses when you you see that they're in the competition you know they're going to be in the top 10 there's certain ones that are just almost sure to be there so uh, the other choruses uh, the normal chorus the mortals uh, are chasing an increasingly small number of spots in the top 10 so that's your first goal is just to get in there then you get that experience and you hope that you can go back and having been there find out what's needed uh, to, to creep your way up the top 10 and of course you'll see many of the choruses at international oscillate up and down the top 10 you know they're not always winning sometimes they're eighth next time they're fourth then they're sixth I, I think you can reach a point where you can knock against the the ceiling and uh, we we're probably there for a bit in getting up to that top 10. Then we feel we've sort of burst through because we got an 11th and then a 10th. Um, so we feel we are kind of deserve our spot in that territory now. And I think there probably will be an incrementally more difficult phase. My feeling is that it might be even nearer the top of the tree where, where it gets really, really tough to pierce through and maybe win. I think, because uh, I know uh, other directors who've been third, second, third, second, third, so just waiting for that win. And they, they feel that it's, it's very, very difficult up there. So I hope we'll have that problem. But uh, <laughs> at the moment, we just want to get back in the 10 and then see if we can improve from 10th to something better. I know you want to get back to, to, to the chorus, but one thing I, I do have to ask you about is it was noticeable that when you appeared at New Orleans, you had, you and Rosalind Johnson between you, had arranged all the chorus's songs. Is that, is that something that is usual in, in, in top-tier Sweet Adeline's choruses? Or is it, does it give you a distinct advantage? I think it is quite unusual. We didn't arrange every... We didn't arrange both our semi-finals songs, but we did arrange everything in the finals package between us. Um, and we heavily customised the two semi-final songs. 
with the assistance of Sandy Marin as well when she was coaching she comes along and changes bits and pieces um, so they were heavily customised for us and that's something that we are very very focused on is we love to do what no one else is doing and no one else did any of the songs that we did any of the six songs that we took to New Orleans no one else did any of them um, and that was great so whether it gives us an advantage, I think it, it does give you an advantage if you can arrange wisely for your chorus's strengths. So if you have internal arrangers like myself and Rosalind, uh, we know what the chorus can do, we know where the chorus sounds best, we can play to those strengths by making the arrangements fit. It's like a well-fitting suit. So in that way, it should be an advantage. Um, and I think uniqueness in itself is something that makes people take notice. We, we've never copied anyone. We don't copy interpretations. We try and have everything that comes from us that's original. And uh, that takes a little bit of courage. But once you identify with that, it just becomes your way of being. And that's the way that we do it. From Fourth Valley's 10th placed final set last September in New Orleans, Hold My Hand from the original Jess Glynn song, arranged for the chorus by Rosalind Johnson. And 2019 was a big year in Scotland too. 20 years since devolution and the restoration after almost three centuries of the Scottish Parliament. Fourth Valley were there to sing for the civic celebrations. Surprisingly though, for such a successful chorus, they had to fight for recognition and a role as part of the concert to mark the occasion. Linda McCurrick. The Scottish Parliament celebrated their 20-year anniversary last year and for some time the chorus have been trying to get ourselves a bit more on the map, especially with in Edinburgh. We call ourselves Edinburgh's hidden secret. So our publicity officer had been writing to Scottish Parliament, uh, realising that they were celebrating the, uh, the occasion with a big function, the Queen was coming to celebrate, and we thought, well, let's see if we can muscle in there. They were very amenable uh, to having us come to sing to them and fitted us in along with other performers, other Scottish performers. There was poetry, there was uh, violin solos, cello solos and another chorus and we entertained them on the famous stairs where all the politicians get interviewed 
um, we sang a Scottish set based on our finals package in that we sang in, in Las Vegas when we got our uh, 11th place and a few other numbers to keep them going. We were absolutely thrilled. The Parliament was full of people celebrating, there was politicians, there were their guests, and the Queen, although in attendance, didn't manage to catch her performance, but still probably her loss. Absolutely her loss. Have you been invited back since? Um, not yet, but on, on the strength of that, we were invited to sing at the Lord, Lord Provost in the city chambers for Christmas, and again, we sta- sang on the stairs, it must be our thing, and pr- entertained uh, dignitaries on the way in with some Christmas carols, and we're hopeful um, to, that we're going to maintain our contacts. I think they were very impressed, they didn't know we existed, and the fact, I think, you can turn up with a group of women, one pitch pipe, no amplification, no microphones, and off you go, no band. Great. (laughs) Which, in the end, is what Barbershop is all about. Well, we're almost at the end of this special edition of Harmony UK podcast from Scotland too. I do hope that you've enjoyed it half as much as I have. Thank you to all the choruses and individuals who took time to talk to me or let me come along to record at their rehearsals. Until the next time, do keep the whole world singing. And what better way to play out than with my homeland? To the tune of Highland Cathedral, arranged with lyrics by Nick Hayes and sung by the Rolling Hills Chorus under the direction of Rosalind Johnson. From me, John Beasley, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.